I'll give you a bit of an inside look into what happens with us as pastors. When I was looking at this next passage, which we're going to be looking at this morning, which is chapter 2, verses 21 to 24, when I first read them, I thought, these are like verses between exciting bits. We've had the angels arriving, and then the army of angels, and next thing, next time we're going to meet around Luke, we're going to see grey power in action, and then we have these like linking verses. But when I went to start studying them, I realized these aren't linking verses at all. These are very, very important verses. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't put anything in the canon of Scripture that doesn't need to be there. And if it's in Scripture, we need to study it carefully. And so I'd ask you to turn with me in Luke chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 21 to 24. And when eight days had passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now you might have read these verses before and like me, just have glanced over them. But we need to remember why these verses are here. Who writes this book? God, yes, but who's the human author? Luke. And what is Luke? He's a Gentile. And he's writing to a fellow Gentile, Theophilus, showing him how Christianity and how Jesus Christ and his teachings are relevant to him and to all mankind. And so that's why Luke puts this passage where it is. And so when we go and have a look, a closer inspection of this passage, we find a few things. And I'd like you to look in your text with me, and you're going to really have to track with me this morning. And then I'll bring the application of this later. On a closer inspection of this passage, Jesus was born to Jewish parents, right? Who kept the laws of Judaism. There we see it. They take him up, they name him, they circumcise him. They are purified by the laws of Judaism and then they present him as the firstborn son to God. They go through three Jewish rites that are spelt out here for us. And it's a very significant point because Jesus would later come into conflict with the Jewish religious leaders of the time. And could they point a finger at him for not honoring their faith? No, they couldn't. From birth to death, Jesus sought to keep to the, the, the Jewish laws because he was born a Jew. It's also significant because although Jesus was born under the law as a Jewish baby, he obeyed the commands of the law perfectly from birth to death and thereby fulfilling the law and delivering his people 
from the bondage of the law and the religion of rule keeping, which was very prevalent at the time. And Paul goes on to explain that later in Galatians chapter 3. You see, Jesus became the representative law keeper before God for all time and for all mankind, for all those who put their faith in him, both Jew and Gentile. Do you get that point? Because Jesus kept the law perfectly, God sees him as the perfect law keeper. And if we are in Christ, then that's the way God sees us too. And we're going to be developing that theme a little later as we get through this passage. So let's look at this first right of the law. So we're going a bit into Jewish law this morning. Three Jewish laws we're going to be looking at. The first one, the naming and the circumcision. Now, in the New American Standard Version, I'm going to read you this verse again. Listen to the way it's said. Because the ESV misses this out. And when eight days had passed, here it is, before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. That order is really, really important. You see, Jesus was officially named as Jesus, as Savior, as Deliverer, before he is circumcised. God's instructions through the angel were that Jesus was to be called this specific name because he was firstly coming to this world in his God-given role as Savior. Being God to Abraham and to his descendants. As, as by the covenant with Abraham back in Genesis chapter 17. So Jesus is firstly presented as the Savior, the Deliverer, and then he submits himself to the requirements of the law of being circumcised as a Jewish boy at eight days old. It's important. Jesus came as the Savior and then to submit himself to human law. And why did Jesus as God's Son allow himself to be circumcised? We've got to ask that question. Why, as God's Son, does He allow human beings to do this to Him, to circumcise Him? You see, it couldn't mean that He was corrupted in His heart or that He was inclined to evil, could it? Because we know from 1 John 3, 5 that in Him there is no sin and there never has been sin. Either actual sin or being born into sin. Jesus did not have any sin in Him. So why did he allow himself to be circumcised? There are relevant points here. You see, circumcision was a public testimony to Israel, to the nation of Israel, that according to the flesh, he was a Jew. Born from a Jewish woman and, as Galatians 4, 4 says, made under law. And so he is circumcised. Without circumcision, he would not have fulfilled the requirements of the law perfectly he would not have been recognized as the son of David and therefore as the seed of Abraham. Do you see the importance of it? Without circumcision, Jesus would not have been heard as a teacher in Israel either. Without circumcision, he had no place in any lawful Jewish assembly and therefore he didn't have a right at all to participate in temple worship. And as he later did, he read from the scriptures to them, the Torah, Jesus read it to them. While if he hadn't been circumcised, they would not have allowed him in and they wouldn't have allowed him to read those scriptures. He was circumcised. 
Without circumcision, he would have been regarded by all Jews as nothing better than an uncircumcised Gentile and an apostate. They would have turned away from him, even though they did. But they didn't turn away from him because he didn't keep the law. They turned away from him because they couldn't handle the truth of what he was saying. And that's important. You see, but Jesus submitted himself to this ritual that he did not need himself as the Son of God. But he did it for the sake of those to whom he was coming as the perfect Jew. For all those who would be covered by his circumcision later, all Jews and all Gentiles, that is you and I, if we're believers, all those who became children of Abraham through their placing their trust in him. And this was his first sacrifice for us. In being circumcised, he becomes the perfect Israelite, the one through whom all spiritual Israel later would be saved. And as Paul says later, as the last Adam, he keeps the law that the first Adam failed to keep. You see, Adam failed in his responsibility before the Lord, but Jesus, as the last Adam, kept the law perfectly. Perfectly satisfied God's requirements. Thereby taking the law's curse on himself and delivering his people from it. And because of his obedience, now listen up please, this is where you need to track with me. Because of his obedience, we need no longer practice this ritual sacrifice. Otherwise we'd have to keep to all these laws. But Jesus kept them perfectly for us. How do we know that? Scripture tells us. Romans chapter 2 verse 29. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the Spirit, not by the letter. And there's more to that, but that's all we're going to look at this morning. Galatians 6.15 says, For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation is what's important. It's a creation of the heart, you see. And so all those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ, we are then circumcised in Him, and we have been brought under the seal of the righteousness of faith and the promise made to Abraham so many years ago. We are children of Abraham, and so, sons of God. Galatians 3, verse 4 and 5, and this is a good summary verse for us to look at. What does it say? It has real relevance to this verse. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent forth, He sent forth His Son on a mission, born of a woman, born under the law, that He might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Praise God for Jesus Christ. Praise God for His perfect keeping of the law. He was circumcised on your and my behalf. His first sacrifice. The second law we're going to look at, are you still with me? I see if you nod, it's good, we'll carry on. The second law we're going to look at is the law and the right of purification and sacrifice. Verses 22 and 24. We get our word atonement from here. To be cleansed. You see, the law said that after the birth of a male child... The mother was ceremonially unclean for 40 days. 
So that meant for 40 days she couldn't come in or near the temple. She had to be made clean first. And after those 40 days, she would offer a, she would then come to the temple and offer a year old lamb for, for a burnt offering as well as a young pigeon or a dove for a sin offering. So that a burnt offering and a sin offering. And in Mary's case, you'll see that they came and they offered a pair of turtle doves. And that's because they couldn't afford a lamb. This was a poor couple. And the law made provision for that. It said in that case you bring two turtle doves. One for the lamb and one for the turtle dove. So two turtle doves were sacrificed. But I just want to stop right there as we see Mary and Joseph. Because Joseph also had to come for purification. Because usually birth was a woman's thing. The woman helped the woman to bear birth. To give birth to a son or to a girl. But in this case, no one was there to help. Joseph had to assist. And so he was also ceremonially unclean. And so he had to be purified. And so here comes Mary and Joseph to be purified with their offerings, with their sacrifices. But I wondered if, I wonder if they stopped and thought that in their arms they were bearing the ultimate sacrifice. The one who would free them and all humanity forever. And I wonder if going through their minds as they brought these turtle doves, this is the Son of God. He is going to die for me. He's going to take away my sins and all future generations. I wonder if they saw that application. We can only speculate here, but here they come with their sacrifices. We're going to come back to this again. And then the third law I want us to look at is the right of presentation and redemption. Verses 22 and 23. You see, under Jewish law, the firstborn male child was, was to be consecrated to God for his service. So if you were firstborn and you were male and you were a Jew, you had to be brought for service to the Lord and offered to the Lord permanently for service. And that's why we have the story in the Old Testament of Samuel being dedicated, brought to the temple by his mother. That's why John the Baptist is in the service that he is. That's why we now see Jesus too as the firstborn male being brought to the temple. And this was a reminder of God's goodness in sparing the faithful Jews when he destroyed the firstborn in Egypt. So it goes way back to Exodus chapter 12 and 13. What happened there? On, those, on that night, all the firstborn males in Egypt, both Egyptians and Jews, were going to die when the angel of death, under God's instruction, swept through Egypt in judgment. And it wasn't just the human beings, all male animals too. Firstborn male animals would die. However, God provided a way for these Jewish boys to be spared if their parents, and here's the key word, in obedience painted the blood of a lamb on the doorposts of their homes. You see, and please take note of this, it wasn't the blood that saved them, it was their obedience that saved them. God told them, paint the blood on the doorposts. Yes, it will point forward to blood that would be spilt later, but it was their obedience that saved those children. And thereafter, as a reminder of God's goodness, all firstborn Jewish boys from the tribe of Levi specifically had to be presented to God for his service. 
However, the law went on to say that if the boy was not a Levite, if he was from another tribe in Israel, then he must be symbolically redeemed by the payment of five shekels of silver. And that was called the loosing away payment or the ransom fee. And that is where we get our theological term ransom from, to be freed. It comes way back to this, to Egypt. And so here we see Jesus being brought for dedication to the temple. And the ransom, the loosing away payment is made for him. Now I know some of you are going to ask, so why five? So I'm going to just tackle that in brackets. Jewish tradition says they had to bring five silver shekels because the number five was symbolic of the Hebrew letter which was added to Abram's name to make it Abraham. And so it goes all the way back to Abraham. Isn't that amazing? All these little details tie up. There is nothing there that happens just because it happens. All these details are worked out. And so we find on the 40th day, the Redeemer himself is redeemed. Have you ever thought about that? I'm going to qualify that. The Redeemer himself is redeemed when this payment of five shekels is made. But not in the same sense in which he would redeem his people because he was and is sinless. But he was also born under the law as a human being. And so he voluntarily obligates himself as the Son of God to bear the law's penalty. And as God in human form to satisfy the demands of perfect obedience to the law. And so the redemption fee is paid and for me it's so symbolic here of the infinitely greater ransom that he would pay when he gave his life a ransom for many as Mark chapter 10, 45 says. He gave his life a ransom for many. No longer was it five shekels of silver. It was the life of the Son of God. The only begotten Son of God was sacrificed on your and my behalf as payment for freedom. How lightly do we take our Christian lives? Look at the great price it was paid for you and I. So we've looked at these three Jewish rites and laws how does that apply to me and you? You see, the question comes up, so what? And I, I don't ask that callously. How does this apply to you and I? Jesus was named and circumcised. You see, today he's still called Jesus. He's still called the Savior. He is still the Deliverer. That name that was given to him still applies to you and I. He still bears the same name. And those who trust in Him, this spells hope for you and I. And it spells hope for you and I in every single circumstance of our lives. And so it doesn't matter what you are going through, if you have put your trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and in this Savior that we've read about this morning, then you have hope for today. And He will be with you through any and every circumstance that you might go through. He is still the Deliverer. And the question you've got to ask yourself is, when these troubles hit you, do you still leave your hope in Jesus Christ? Or do you find yourself starting to trust in your own abilities, in your own can-do attitude, in your own financial resources? Do you put your trust and keep your trust in the Lord 
Jesus Christ as your only hope. He is the deliverer. A further question. As you walk your Christian walk, do you find yourself trying to be religious or be Christian by keeping specific rules? You fall back on that sometimes. I can't do that because I'm a Christian and these are the rules. You see, Jesus came to free us as believers from legalism, from rule keeping. He calls us into a living relationship with Him. His love for your love. And if you love Him and if you have a loving relationship with Him, guess what He does? He instills in you His moral law. The law is there, the moral law, but He puts it into your heart. And now you are obeying Him from your heart because you love Him, not because you are forced to obey rules anymore. Therefore, you need to hold on to this deliverer. Don't go back to rule keeping. God is not impressed by the number of rules we can keep as Christians. He looks at our hearts. He looks at our heart attitude and He says, Do you love me first? Why are you keeping these rules? Is it because you love me and because my word says so? That is the only reason we are to have for obeying. It's because we love him. So I'd urge you this morning, love your Savior. Love this deliverer. You see, there's a further application here. God demands perfect obedience from you and I. Think about that. Perfect obedience. That means all His commands, all of the time. Put up your hand if you've kept those. I know I haven't. Mark chapter 5 verse 48 says, Therefore you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. There's a direct command for us. But you say, but that's impossible. And that's the whole idea here. That's the reason Jesus came. It is impossible You see, Jesus reminds us that we cannot fulfill God's requirements on our own. We cannot have perfect obedience without Him. Matthew 5.20 says, Without Christ it is impossible to please God. And so He is our Deliverer. And so, as a believer here this morning, I urge you, hold on to Jesus Christ as your hope, as your Deliverer, and as the reason for the way you live. Hold on to Him. He is still your Savior. Secondly, we looked at the law of purification. How does that apply to us today? You see, animal sacrifices are no longer necessary or required. And I thank the Lord for that, because that meant this place would have not looked pretty out here this morning. There would be animal carcasses all over the place. Jesus' body was broken and His blood was spilt as the perfect once for all sacrifice on the cross to make sinners clean. And here's the key, for all time. I love that old hymn. There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. And the question you've got to ask yourself this morning is, have you been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb? Have you been cleansed by Jesus' blood? Or maybe you're still trying to sacrifice your own offerings of good deeds 
of service to the community, of donations to charities, etc., to try to earn your way into God's good books. Many do. I had two conversations with two unbelievers this, this week, and that's exactly what was told me. But I go and visit old people. Yes, we must be doing those things, but the ultimate question is, have you been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb first? Then those things will, will follow. You see, all our deeds are as filthy rags before God. There is nothing that we can do that will be perfect before God. Only faith in Jesus Christ can purify you and I before Him. That is the only thing. Only faith in Him. And therefore I urge you as believers here this morning, remain in Him. He is the perfect and the spotless sacrifice. He will make you perfect and spotless too one day. There is hope. One day you will not sin. There is hope for us. We will be made spotless and pure. And it will be all through His doing, zero through our doing. We cannot do any of it. He must do it all. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? If so, there is hope for you too. And then the third law we looked at was the presentation and the ransom page. And you can immediately see what that application is going to be. You see, the question you've got to ask yourself is, as Mary and Joseph brought their son to be presented to the Lord in his service, and the ransom fee was paid to free him from temple service, you and I have a ransom, pay, a ransom fee that was paid for you and I too. But the question is, have we presented ourselves for service to God? Because we get so quickly caught up in our own service. God has freed us from sin and He wants us to serve Him daily and yet we find ourselves running around in the rat race serving ourselves. And yes, some of that needs to be done because we need food on the table. But are you serving God first in your heart and then in your work? You see, He paid the ultimate loosening price to free you and I from sin and death. He gave His own life as a ransom for you and I. He took on Himself the punishment for your sin and for my sin and for the sins of the world, for those who would put their faith in Him so that we could live. And now the question is, do we present ourselves in totality to Him? Every single facet of my life do I present that to the Lord as well? Or are there parts of my life that I hold back? I give Him some, but there are parts that I don't want to give Him yet. I kind of want to hold on to those. I don't want to manage those myself. Give Him yourself in totality. Present yourself fully to the Lord. What part of yourself are you holding back this morning? I don't know why God has brought this word here today. You might be sitting there and this is touching a raw nerve in your life. What part are you holding back from service to the Lord? First Corinthians 6 verse 19 to 20 says this, For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. Your body and your spirit belong to the Lord. 
So present them to the Lord. And as verse 23 says of that passage we looked at, be holy to the Lord. That's what it means. Completely dedicated and given to His service. And then if you do that, God will use you powerfully. He'll use you in your family. He'll use you at work. He'll use you powerfully in this community if your heart is right before Him. And I'm speaking to believers here. If your heart is right before Him. Is Jesus number one in your life today? Or have other things crept in to take His place? He paid the ransom price for you. Give yourself to Him fully today. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you that in your wisdom, even these few short verses have so much depth in them. When we start digging down into your word, and we start seeing the implications of what you did for us, Lord Jesus. Thank you that you were willing to come and keep Judaic law perfectly so that we didn't have to be subject to rule keeping. Lord, thank you that when you purified, when you purify us today, you do so perfectly. And one day we will be perfect when we stand in glory for you. Thank you for that hope that you give us. And Lord, thank you too that you paid the ransom price. God became man and then paid the price of his own life, taking our sin on Him so that we could have freedom and be freed from our sin and be freed from death. Lord, thank You for paying that ransom price on our behalf. But Lord, help us to give ourselves fully to You in every single aspect of our lives. And through Your Spirit, Lord, may You point out this morning areas in our lives that are still not subject to You. And there will be some. Lord, may we bring those under Your kingship as well. Lord, help us to take that crown off our own heads and to give it to you so that you are king in our lives forever. And Lord, I know that there are some who are struggling with various issues in their lives. And I pray that they would look in their lives to see whether they have subjected themselves completely to you or, or whether there are areas still being held back under their own command. Help us to do business with you so that you will be glorified in our lives and through our lives in this community. Be glorified, we pray. In 